This is No Halos Here, hosted by Jen Lang and Jane Stark, the place to inspire a change in your consciousness to elevate the world. We're two heart-centered business owners nourishing our inner rebels while growing our respective businesses. No Halos Here is the result of bringing together an opera singer turned spiritual mentor and a marketing professional turned well-being coach to meditate daily. Together, we unite physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual energies into a powerful presence to lead, heal, and inspire. We love exploring the shadowed edges of life, the universe, and beyond through honest and thought-provoking conversations. Let's dive in. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Halos Here with Jen Lang and Jane Stark. Woot! <laughs> did you just woot? <laughs> I just did. Kind of, we're kind of excited to bring this topic to you today. We've really unpacked a whole bunch of aspects of happiness and fulfillment and it's mm-hmm. come out of very recent and real conversations that we've had. So it is a super hot off the fre- hot off the press, fresh topic. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. So I don't know. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the story first? Or do you want to just jump right into the topic and then let the story thread? Good question. <laughs> we didn't talk about this part. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, well, why don't we go into where how we came to this topic? Because okay. it's where it's come up for you this week mm-hmm. that we kind of but then I had another aspect of this topic as well. So let's start with you. Okay. And then we'll dive in. Okay, starting with me sharing my life stories on the podcast. So this has come up for me because in the last little while, um, I've been mulling this over. Um, and I keep coming back to like, I keep questioning, like, am I happy? Are we happy? Like we being my family, um, and my, you know, close circle with where we're at in life. And, and I mean, that's such a big, broad thing. Are we happy? But what I came to was, and actually it was my husband who helped me see this was we were chatting and we were chatting kind of in the context of life and everything that's going on. And, you know, we all know kind of all of the things we're all dealing with to varying degrees. And he's like, well, he's like, I wouldn't say I'm unhappy. He's like, but he's like, I don't think I'm as fulfilled as I could be. And I was like, Mm. oh, you've just hit the nail on the head. That's kind of what I was feeling too, where it's like, I don't feel, because I was sort of like, you know, I kept wanting to label some of my feelings as I'm not happy. I'm unhappy. But then I was like, I think I said to Jen, to you, Jen, mm-hmm. I'm like, but I'm not sad. I'm not depressed. Like, yeah, it, this isn't like a, a sort of sadness that I have. Well, then we tied it into that whole languishing term that came up yes. a few months ago. Um, the whole with, term born it? out of COVID. It's um, Adam yeah. Grant. Adam Grant. Okay. Brought it up. So there's the languishing and we recognize we're, we've, you know, we're basically two years into this global pandemic and there has been a massive shift in well, lack of control that people are feeling. And so we are feeling all these feelings. And at the same time, this, you can still find happiness, moments of happiness within this, but the bigger picture might be, am I fulfilled or how do I find, how do I fill my cup in other ways that are just as, that are as satisfying or sometimes maybe even more satisfying than pre-COVID? It's just that we had the idea of what was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And so now 
where we've had to recreate and redefine happiness and fulfillment through the lens of these new controls and through the lens of this, uh, yeah, the new reality that the new, we're the new living reality. right now. Yeah. And so that brought us to this conversation of, well, what is the definition of happiness? What is the definition of fulfillment? Mm-hmm. How do these two things play out in our lives? And so there are lots of books on happiness, um, yes. lots of experts and whatnot. And so, but what we came to was, well, really like we need to define that for ourselves. Like Jen was like, well, I don't know. You tell me what your definition of happiness is. And, you know, and so that was, that's kind of where we came to as just like, oh, let's bring this topic to the podcast. Let's bring it to the podcast. And also you made the point of saying, well, how can you define them without knowing your values? And mm-hmm. they could be values like in and of themselves. And so it reminds me of a values exercise. I've values exercise that I've done before, where if you define happiness as one of your core values and fulfillment, would you rather have happiness without fulfillment or fulfillment without happiness? <laughs> can you? I don't know. Like that's the other can question you? that came, right? Like, can you be, what was it that, how did we phrase it? Like, can you, does, how does fulfillment contribute to happiness? Yes. I feel like we're talking and like, Bleh. so let's back this up a little bit and like unpack this because there's a lot of more like, how does this contribute to this? How does that contribute to this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we did a lot terms. of like circular talking and yes. obviously this is, some of this is coaching industry specific and, you know, the way this method of inquiry is looking at, I would say even bordering on some aspects of philosophy, what mm-hmm. is happiness in the broader term? Is it a defining characteristic of a human life? Those kinds of things. So we're just going to, yeah, I don't really like, be. we're not going to go, we're not going to, we're not going to go that. there. What we really wanted to unpack is just kind of, again, within the realm of how we work and even with clients and how I unpack these things for me personally in my life is kind of what you were saying, Jen, is the first thing I went to was, well, I need to know what I value in order to know what brings me happiness, Mm -hmm. but also really in order to know how I'm going to be fulfilled. Yes. And go ahead. I was going to say some of this also came about because you were saying how much you enjoy living in your community and that it, when you moved there, it brought you a lot of happiness and fulfillment at the time, mm-hmm. but that you've changed and your kids yeah. have gotten older and your family has shifted. And now you're not finding the same happiness and fulfillment in the same location. You want to be closer to nature. Yeah. And, and that like I being able to identify that and verbalize that I think is really important yeah. So if you can't already as a listener, if you're listening to this and you can't already define what makes you happy and what brings you fulfillment, then you need to back that up again and go, well, what really does make me happy? Or when am I happy? Mm-hmm. And I think to your point there, what I've realized is we also have to remember that this is always an ongoing fluid thing. Yes. So it was a real, it was really interesting for me to start to reflect back and have that moment of, you know, yeah, when we moved here, it was exactly what we needed at that mm-hmm. time. And it fit who I was and who we were as a family. We found, you know, we manifested the house that we had really, like, I'm not going to say the house of our dreams, but like the house that we wanted that fit majority of the parameters that we were looking for. And we move into a neighborhood where unknowingly 
we found an amazing neighborhood that had a whole bunch of children the same age as our kids and yeah. we really connected in and it was like I say it was exactly like I look back and I'm like that is exactly what we needed at that time fast forward six years as we all do everybody grows and evolves and like you say kids grow up but and and for me personally it's been a time in my life where I have continued to grow and evolve and now I look at the person I am today and it's like I'm not that person I was six years ago. My values have shifted and what mm -hmm. I need has changed. And so now I'm in this place of trying to figure out what are those new things, what needs to fall, what's fallen away and mm -hmm. what maybe more needs to fall away. And what are the new things that are going to bring me that fulfill and joy and happiness? And what are some of the shifts and changes either from a mindset perspective yeah, or from a physical perspective that we need to like, that I need to start to initiate. But if I don't know, again, to your point, right. If I don't, if I haven't taken the time to really examine that and question and look and, and go, yeah, then I'm not going to be able to create the future that I want. Right. And also bearing in mind that the future that you want when you get there, you will also be a different person. So you yeah. will have to redefine what happiness is for you. And you will have to redefine what fulfills you. And some of those things may be the same. And some of those things may not be. And that's okay, because mm -hmm. that speaks to that fluid process, pr fluid process that you spoke about. So and, I'm, yeah. I have a question for you. So okay, I'm sure. curious to know how this how you would reflect on this. And for, this is just what's coming to my mind. But like, you know, five, I don't remember how many years, five, seven years ago, you and Kirk moved, made the choice to move overseas. Yes. How, how is that time and who you were at that time shifted from now you're back, mm -hmm. you've settled back down in your community. And like, I, I just, I'm curious to know, cause I didn't know you right. also at that time. Right. Yeah, so that's right have your values shifted? How was it? How does that apply to this conversation oh. in terms of? Yeah, so much changed. And actually, I would say that it actually helped me better define my values and what made me happy. Mm. So sometimes a shift. So basically, I'll summarize. So um, seven years ago, last month, actually, seven, seven years ago, this week, I was three weeks into my first experience living in Abu Dhabi. Wow. United Arab Emirates and with our dog Lola. So I was literally in recovery mode of having, and Kirk had left seven months earlier. So Kirk had left in July, 2014. I had solo like run the household. He'd worked overseas. So we were basically running two households. Mm -hmm. And um, then I packed up our whole house and got too. So I was in that two week period of like, I'm doing nothing, I'm settling in, I'm going to get to know our neighborhood. And what I knew um, in that first sort of few month period was that what I had been doing before I left was not sustainable. Hmm. And that although I had got a lot of satisfaction out of my work, I was working part time at the university, and I was teaching singing part time. And I got a love you know, I had a lot of love for working with my students, but I knew it wasn't sustainable and that I didn't want to continue to do that, but I didn't know how to change it. So sustainable or fulfilling, or are those one and the same? They're not, they're different. Okay. So my energy levels could not sustain 
Okay. That level of activity and engagement because it was long days. I was right. working at the university from eight to noon or eight thirty to twelve thirty. I'd get home, have an hour break, take the dog out, eat lunch, and then I would go and teach singing from three until seven p.m. Mm-hmm. And I would then I'd get home, make dinner, fall into bed, and do it all over again. So, but um, your work like was fulfilling. My work was fulfilling and tiring. Yeah, you know, like you know, teaching people and kids, kids yeah. and adults to sing, yeah. um, is it's a full on game. It was four hours straight, like no break. So 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes. It's like, oh, it's yeah, a reset that's a, every so that's 30 minutes. That's a lot minutes. of people to hold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very, I had very few one hour students. Right. So I knew energetically that I had to shift. Um, so when I got to the UAE and settling into life in Abu Dhabi, it also helped me connect more of strongly over a period of time with my values as a first of all as a Canadian but Mm -hmm. also as my own sovereign being and that I couldn't apply the same lens of my idea of what justice was to living in that foreign country which you know I think it's a process that all expats go through no matter where you are in the world it is unless you've grown up with an expat experience and you don't really know um, if you've grown up in one place like I did. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest of Canada here mm-hmm. for the majority of my life. I had some brief stints in England, but you know, that's not actually that different. Mm-hmm. But that first experience taught me in England, you know, when I was 21 going to university there, I was like, oh, I am more Canadian than, than I am British. Mm. I, I identified more with my Canadian self. So those expat experiences can help you better define what fulfillment and happiness are for you. Okay. So a shift and a change, um, either welcome or unwelcome, can help you better define your values and can help you better define. Sometimes that shift is sprung on you, like, you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. We had, we all had to shift. We all had to understand what our values. Oh, that's a really good point. Right? We had to, I, I, I really feel now that we're unpacking this, this is like really in the moment because we yeah. didn't pre-plan talking no, this about this is... aspect, but... COVID helped us really get in touch with, okay, well, what are my values? Absolutely. And what is important to me and what really does make me happy? Because all of a sudden you can't just meet your friends for drinks on a Friday night and you realize, okay, so that aspect of social interaction outside of my home and workplace is, so that connectivity piece, that's a strong value. Yeah. And I mean, some of that is like, that's a human Absolutely. That's a human we know need. that we need that as a human, but to varying degrees, right? Some of yes. us need it more than others. I remember early on in the pandemic, um, or early ish on, you know, some people like the introverts were like, Oh, what? Yep. Like I can just be in my house and in my sweats all the time. And I love this. And other people I knew who were like much more identified as extroverts were like, this is hell. Like, I Mm -hmm. need that. Like I need to be out connecting with those people. That's where I get my energy source. Mm -hmm. And so you had that. And now we're two years in and, and I've, you and I have been reflecting on this because as I've been processing this, I would say I definitely lean more to an introvert side. I'm probably, I call myself often, like, I think we did an episode on this, an introverted extrovert or an ambivert. Um, I have really embraced my introverted ways in the last two years, Mm -hmm. but I have very, I've recently realized and this is a little bit of the happiness and the fulfillment conversation as well and the what am I needing from my community now but just in general I'm kind of going oh 
okay, like, I don't know if it's just that I've hit my limit or that I was kind of just not really paying attention to it, but I'm really missing that yeah. social interaction. I'm missing spontaneity. We talked about this as well. Yes. I'm missing the opportunity to spontaneously go and, you know, connect with friends or do something or, or that, that time when, um, you know, I feel like pre COVID we were just more naturally in a social, like we were more social as humans. Yes. And so activities, things would be happening. You might be like, Oh, Hey, we're doing this on the weekend. If you want to join. And like, so even just that kind of spontaneity was like, Oh yeah, that sounds fun. And now I've realized that <laughs> I have spontaneity to- <laughs> involves zoom bombing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right. I interrupted you. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, this is another rabbit hole, but do you remember, I don't know if you did this, but in the beginning of COVID, like with friends, because we missed that social aspect was taken, it would be like, Hey, let's get on do zoom cocktail hour. And then that quickly fell by the wayside when we were like, all like, uh, I'm on zoom, like eight hours a day for work. I'm sorry. I love you, you but I don't want to sit on zoom and try and have a conversation with you. It's funny how I forgot about that. Where like those things have kind of already just died off. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a little, people now are craving in-person connection, but that is the fulfillment piece to wind it back to our topic. Exactly. Zoom connection calls are not enough to fill the cup of that connectivity interaction piece. And I think this ties back to the energy of being in one another's company. Yeah. And I mean, there's a whole other level of like, we recognize with that, there's a whole layer of this Mm -hmm. too, of we're in a different time. So also back to this finding the values and, and, and weighing values, right? For some people, it's like, um, I don't know what the, value like health I'm not going to say health the health value outweighs the connection but like you're more comfortable or less comfortable where does that value lie in terms of how strongly you need it and that was one of the things I realized after just recently you know last weekend reconnecting with some friends um that I like that I was able to be in person and like have some like real good belly laughs yeah and that's when I was like oh boy okay like that's this is part of that feeling of just kind of languishing well yeah because you can be happy and watching like enjoying you know a comedy show or Mm -hmm. comedy clips and have those you know have those belly laughs and that laughter and at the same time so you can have happiness and still not be fulfilled i think is basically what we're Mm, getting at here and so then by cultivating activities and behaviors that contribute to your fulfillment, then you move that fulfillment quotient higher and closer to happiness. And therefore, and also then you increase your happiness. Mm-hmm. I'd say you, you sort of like bulk it up a little. See, there's maybe there's layers. Yeah. Of- but do we? Absolutely. Now, I think to come back to, to knowing your values, and then there's the level of under I, of understanding your operating system, mm. because it's one thing to know your values, but it's another thing to act on those and yeah. to do things that are in alignment with your values. And that's another area that I've started to examine in my life of like, okay, I kind of know, I have a pretty good idea of what um, my values are. What am I doing? The ability- 
yeah, what are you doing? And also, are there other things going on in your life that is that are contributing to you not you not being able to do those behaviors and be in alignment? So, you know, Which for some people, most working, of us would you know, say yes right now, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I'm thinking, you know, some people who are working three jobs to make ends meet or single parenting or, you know, all the other sort of life relationship stuff that can, you know, there's vast amounts of trauma. So maybe people don't have the either the inclination or the means to unpack the trauma, which is preventing them from feeling fulfilled. Right. Yes, absolutely. So, well, there's like, there's so many nuances to this discussion. And obviously today we're, we're only going to be talking about some of this, but we also talked about the aspect of um, the stories that we tell ourselves about the feelings. And this came out of actually an opening statement or a phrase. What did I say? I was like, am I, you were talking about your energy and that you yes. are tired, but you have energy. And then you right. made the statement. So go on, share that story. Yeah, if I get it, if I get it the way I remember it, it was like, am I allowing my feeling of feeling tired to mean more than it actually is? So in other words, am I applying a meaning to this feeling of tired that like at a mental narrative, oh, I'm tired. I better not do as much today. I think I'll just go and have a nap rather than doing the things in my business that move me forward and that I actually have the mental energy for. I think that's the key. Yes. So with what you just said, because that's the big piece that you said to me was I'm tired, but I have this mental energy. Like I'm really clear and I'm really on. Mm -hmm. And so that's the key versus because if you didn't say that part, then it would sound more like, oh, I should just push through the fatigue. Yes. So that's a nuance because you actually have to know yourself well enough to be able to a identify that nuance between I'm tired and unmotivated and, or am I tired? And I, the mental story is I have to push through. So there's feeling tired and honoring that feeling of being tired and allowing and not, and stopping yourself from pushing through, stopping yourself from like going, Oh, I'm really tired, but I have to do this. And sometimes, you know, there's a time for like a little bit of a push through, but you know, might be an example might be, I try and shut down my computer by 7 PM, sometimes eight, you know, it's just mm -hmm. the way I work. And it might be like, Oh, I just want to get this one more thing done. I just want to get this one more thing done. And all of a sudden it's nine 30 and my eyes are sore and I have pushed through and consequently I'm super tired the next day. Mm-hmm. That's different from the way I'm feeling today, which is my body and my eyes feel a bit tired, but otherwise I feel actually really quite energized and creatively refreshed and I'm ready to like knock a bunch of stuff off my list in the, in a, in a good way up to a point, but I'm also mindful that pushing through just to get the list done is also not very productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked, and the piece that I liked about, are we putting meaning, how did you say it? Are we putting meaning on, are we making the feelings mean more than they actually do? Yes. And for me, where that landed is if I look at myself, I would say I lean a little bit more towards the anxious side of things. I can be a more yeah. anxious person. I've worked really hard on that over the years. Um, but I can see how that can play out for me in anxiety where 
all of a sudden something happens and it can be, and my husband likes to, he's good at kind of keeping me in check with this, where I can get stuck or not stuck. I can take that thing and apply meaning to it mm-hmm. and create a story. And I think that's my anxiety that wants to do that. Yeah. When sometimes it's like, what if it doesn't actually mean anything? What if you actually just pulled that narrative and that story off of it and it just is? Then yep. it's like, oh, okay. So like, um, like an example that is just sort of, I'll use sort of lightly here is like my daughter, one of my daughters this week is just not sleeping well. She's been awake at like five in the morning, a couple mornings, then she crashed at um, you know, like dinner time the other night mm-hmm. and had a rough sleep and whatnot. And so it's just been, it's, it's, it's out of character for her. Her sleep pattern is interrupted and I don't know why. And the, like, it's what I could do is I could apply the narrative and the story to this and go, Oh my gosh, like what's going on with her sleep pattern. There's something wrong. We need to get this fixed or I need to like, she needs to have supplements or we need to change something up. Mm-hmm. And that like, and take that and make it mean something, or it's just like, huh, she's having like, like something, I don't know, maybe she's going maybe through she's a growth spurt. Going. Maybe yeah, she's, exactly. uh, you know, who knows? Maybe there's just some energy out there in the world right now. Who knows? But if I can stay in that space, then it, life can just carry on and all of a sudden it goes away. Whereas I, if I yeah. give attention Mm-hmm. to the oh, something's wrong she's not yeah. sleeping well well then i'm feeding yeah. that narrative and that story and what you focus on grows yep exactly and so it's also it, that's exactly right what you focus on grows and then the other thought i had while you were talking was about the um oh, where is it it's coming back it is where can you surrender to what is mm-hmm. rather than trying to make it more than what it is exactly because if I focus yeah. on it, that something's wrong, well, then I can actually create yeah. sort of something being wrong, right? If it's just, yeah. and I just so, use that as a trite, like what, like whatever example, um, hoping that maybe, you know, take that into your own life where you can apply that. Yeah. But it's also a, it's a good, I practice a lot of trying to move into the observer role and observing yes. myself and my life and what's going on. And so I've taken that, like, as we've talked about this in the last little while, like week or so, I've really been trying to take that perspective and observe and, and look at that again and go, yeah, where am I applying that Mm -hmm. to other areas of my life? Definitely. Yeah. So, so I think what we want to encourage here is moving more, practicing that observer role in your experiences quite a bit and also look at where you're making more of a story out of something than actually what is. This also happens when we repeat um, an experience, like telling them, and you might be a verbal processor where you need to process out the story. Me. Um, Yeah, my husband, definitely me to a certain extent. But know that each time we tell a distressing story, we're giving the energy and reliving the emotions of that story. And also neuroplasticity. Right. neuroplasticity this is where totally. science backs this up we are deepening the neuro group yeah and so i think a practice would be to move into that observer state of the situation or the feeling 
observe the feeling. I'm noticing I'm feeling X. And to wind it back to this happiness and fulfillment piece, when you notice, you know, yesterday I met a friend, a perfect example. Yesterday I met a friend I hadn't seen in probably 10 years for a walk and an evening chat. Um, at 7 15 mm -hmm. and I finished that conversation it was two hours it was non-stop talking lots of laughter uh, and I felt really fulfilled after the conversation to reconnect with that friend talk about our experiences look at what has changed in our lives and so then if I can observe that that experience fulfilled me but I also observed that I got home and I was like I am tired mm -hmm. from this exchange mm -hmm. so i knew that i needed just quiet rest no talking mm -hmm. so it's a practice we yeah. may not feel like it at the time so oh, i don't know what's so i have a question for you then mm -hmm. what practices really were other than than this observer state what practices really work for you to sort of with this interplay between happiness, fulfillment, and the observation of your state. So what are the practices that I sort of yeah. embody for that? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. I mean, or they vary. Yeah, they vary. I think a lot of it, a lot of it still stems from, from me being able to move into that observer and also to continue to dig deeper. Why, why, why? So for right. example, you know, if I know, you know, if I'm thinking about what I value and then I need to, like I say, understand how I operate and what stops me from doing the things that are fulfilling. And if things are stopping me, why am I not doing that? So, well, because there might be an underlying belief that you don't deserve to be happy or you don't right. deserve fulfillment. Yep. So that's like, that's a whole other podcast. Topic. Totally. <laughs> so yeah, there's that angle. There. But in terms of bringing it back to like, what are the practices? I mean, some of it is also kind of what you said to bring your Dubai or Abu Dhabi experience down a little bit more micro is being in action, taking mm -hmm. those action steps and doing the things, right? Like the way you shared that by going some, doing something like that and completely taking yourself out of your comfort zone, it yeah. really, you had no choice but to go, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like here's what I value and here's yeah. what, you know, really brings me happiness. But can we do that even on a micro level? Right? Like, um, one example that comes to mind again, it, like is say take fitness, for example, like right. I value my health. I, so, you know, I've tried a number of different things fitness wise. I don't like the gym. I hate yeah. running, but mm -hmm. I had to try those things. Yeah to figure out what brings me fulfillment. I, you know, I ended up finding yoga and Pilates a couple of years ago. And it was like, ah, that brings me fulfillment. That feels good in my body or what the thing, but it's like having to get out there and try the things. Mm -hmm. and, ex and now I'm also very much an experiential person. Um, and I right. have to live my life by just trying and failing and pick myself up and try again. Um, yeah, I feel like I don't have a super eloquent answer for that question, but, but I think that gives people some ideas. So if people are exploring what fulfillment is for them, and it might be that you have a level of happiness and fulfillment that are 
acceptable for you right now in the sense that they don't hinder your day-to-day -day life. You don't feel like you're missing something. You're not asking yourself, oh, is this it? Um, if you are asking yourself, is this it? Then definitely start with the happiness and fulfillment piece mm -hmm. because where you're not feeling fulfilled is contributing to the, the thought pattern of, is this it? Ooh, the other thing with there is belief. Again, back to belief yes. work. Like, do you believe there's more? So, mm. right? Do you believe that you can be fulfilled? And that's kind of where, even again, where I'm looking and going, hmm, okay, there's areas of my life that I'm not feeling fulfilled. Yeah. Yes. And this relates to, I can't remember if we'd hit record to, um, but because before I left, I was teaching singing. I think I told you, I, I mentioned mm -hmm. this. I was teaching singing and working at the university. And Jane asked me, is that fulfilling? I'm like, yes, it was. And I also knew deep inside, but I couldn't articulate it, that I was more than a singing teacher inside. Mm. And that I knew there was more to the path that I was on that I hadn't yet found. And so that move and that shift helped me identify what fulfilled me. And it yeah. also taught me that I needed to dig deeper for whatever that more is. And so, oh, and that, oh. yes, absolutely. I think that is the big piece and that's having the courage yeah. to actually, this is one of the pillars that we talked about for our fierce serenity program that we're launching is one of the things we, we, Jen and I were having a discussion around what does, you've heard us talk about this concept of fierce serenity. We are defining it for ourselves so yes. that we can in a, and for you, but in a broader, just in a broader term so that you can then take that and actually define what your fierce serenity is through our program. But one of the pillars that we said was being fiercely courageous in examining your stories. Mm-hmm. I think that so take, ties into courage. what you're right and taking yeah. the courage to go, oh, but there is something more and I got to dig deeper here yeah. and I've got to get dig deeper. And I feel like I'm in another layer of doing that in my life right now. Mm. I have this, that's, yeah. that sums it up nicely as to like kind of where I'm at. Like I'm happy. I have a love, I have a great life. I am very grateful for what I have and I know there's more and I'm finding yep. that courage to dig deeper and, and determine, define what that more is. Right. And oh, I so believe, I, I believe that it's there and I believe that I can find it and I believe that I can have it. And that is a big shift, I think for me mm -hmm. from years ago. Oh yeah. That's powerful. I think that, that, aspect of belief that there is something something more is also the thing that drives us it's a very human there must yeah. be more it's like it's what encouraged us to like leave the cave in the first place you know there's not something more let's go over that hill let's go over that, that that's mm -hmm. a very human need to explore and expand i was just reading something related this is something interesting uh i read it yesterday and it was around tracking emotional responses to pictures of landscapes and it was they had divided this group they'd done this and they showed a picture of a higher viewpoint looking out over a grassland and a delta um, type of environment and every single person no matter where they came from or what they did or their background age race color every single person had an emotional response to that landscape hmm. and the researchers figured out 
they figured, they had surmised as a theorized, basically that it was related to our um, sense of our ancestry, basically, because human right. humanity started in Africa or in our human form. And so that would have been a genetically remembered and common view Ooh, that we all cool. experienced. And so this searching for more and looking out over the landscape. So if you look at the landscape of your life, of where you are right now, A, does it feel happy? B, does it feel fulfilled? C, do you think there's something more? There probably is. And do you believe you deserve it? Yeah, then go out and get it. So this is what yeah. we want to like bring to Fierce Serenity is this process of what fierce serenity is for you if you know there is something more and yes it will involve you owning your shit and yes it will be mm -hmm. um you know being honest with yourself about all the crunchy bits and yes it will be defining fierce serenity so that you can go out and get that more but you got to define it to go mm -hmm. and get it yes i think that's the key you have to yeah. define it just like we have to define what fulfills us in order to be fulfilled. Yeah. So. Oh, I think this feels like a good place to wrap yeah. it up. Leave it there. So if you want to join us in Fierce Serenity, it starts the second, sorry, third week of February, the week of the 21st. Um, there are nine spaces remaining. It runs for six weeks, six weekly calls with Jane and I um, guiding you to define that Fierce Serenity piece through different aspects of your life. Anything else you want to add? Nope. I think that's, that's that's yeah. the core of it. Um, message us if you're interested. Yeah. Our sales page will be up within 24 to 48 hours. Exactly. Uh, it's almost the info there. page. Hey, more up there. Yeah, so, thank you. Info page. I don't like sales page. Well, it but so I, no, it is. It's the info page. You can find out more. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Even if you're curious and you, you're not quite ready yet, we'd still love to hear from you. We invite you to connect with us because we love the connection piece. And we'd love to welcome you to Fierce Serenity. Mm -hmm. Have an amazing day, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for these conscious combos. If you're ready to dive deeper, head on over to wearejenandjane.com to continue the conversation. If you loved this episode, please take a moment to share it with your friends or your network and leave us a review by going to Apple Podcasts. Find us on Instagram at wearejenandjane and let us know what you enjoy and what you would like to see more of. We'd love to hear from you.